You're listening to the Living Word Church Podcast. To learn more about Living Word Church and our service times, visit us online at livingwordli.org. Today's message comes from our lead pastor, Doug Jansen. All right, well, we're going to be wrapping up our series here today called Thoughts in My Head. And um, there's something incredible that we have to try together here, okay? We're going to try this out. Uh, Rachel's in the background in the lyrics, and she's going to put something up on the screen. And can, can you guys read this with me? If you can read this, read it out loud. It says, I couldn't believe that I could actually understand what I was reading. Because of the phenomenal power of the human mind, according to research at Cambridge University, it does not matter in what order the letters in a word are. The only important thing you guys are getting quiet. Come on, keep going with me. Is it the first and last letter be in the right? All right. The rest can be a total mess, and you can still read it without a problem. This is because the human mind does not read every letter by itself, but the word as a whole. Amazing, huh? Yeah, and I was always taught spelling was important, right? So, you know, kids, don't worry about it this year. Don't worry about the spelling. No, no, I'm going to get angry emails from many parents here. But isn't it incredible how our minds work, how powerful the thoughts in our head are, the way that our brains are wired. And so in this series, we're talking about the thoughts in our head. And we've seen that kind of like this concrete block here, that the thoughts in our head start out fluid. They start out just like when concrete is mixed and poured. It's fluid. It's not hard yet. It hasn't sat long enough to become concrete. But we can stop those thoughts in our head. We can continue to allow them to set. We can allow them to you know, form and almost be molded into something like a mindset, something that is really sunk in. And that's what neuroscience tells us, that the longer you think about something and the longer you allow it to just sort of sit, the harder and more concrete it kind of comes in our minds. But we've been seeing here in this series that the good news is, is that when these thoughts are fluid, just like concrete, when it's first poured, you can overrun it. You can wash it out. You can expose it with water and just overflow it with water and clean up any extra concrete that doesn't belong. In the same way, we can do that in our heads. We can stop fluid thoughts. We can overrun them with the truth of God's word. The same also applies to how hard this concrete is. We could take a sledgehammer and break this thing up. Even though it's hard and it's been set for many, many years, we can break it up. In the same way, we can take the word of God and break up mindsets that have been set in our minds for a long time. So we've just been reminding you week after week in this series that we've got to fill our head with God's thoughts. We've got to fill our head with God's thoughts. We talked about feeling unloved and uh, abandoned by God, and we said, no, 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 that's not truth. We're going to fill our head with the truth. Last week, we heard some awesome testimonies. We, we heard about the God of the impossible. We celebrated with some people all throughout the day who got baptized that God does impossible things in our lives, things only he can do, and we, we just focused a little bit on reminding ourselves that this big God can do anything, and whether we find ourselves as the prisoner or the wanderer or the one caught in the storm, our God can do impossible things in every single scenario. Now, today, I want to talk with you guys as we wrap up the series, and we could have done so many different parts of this series. We could have kept this thing going in so many different ways, but today I want to talk with you about what I think is a really huge struggle in our day and age, and maybe this isn't your struggle. Maybe it is. Maybe it's something you wrestle with day and night. Maybe it's something somebody you love really wrestles with, so I pray no matter what, today this will encourage you, whether it's for you or for somebody else, and I want to just remind you, if you don't struggle with this exact thing, Take the same concept and apply it to your struggle. So maybe you don't wrestle with today's topic, but maybe it's fear, maybe it's stress, maybe it's anger or unforgiveness. We just got to keep filling our head with God's thoughts. But today I want to talk with you guys about 
lust and impure thoughts. Man, that's huge in our day and age. You know, we have so much going on when it comes to the things thrown at us, the visuals thrown at us, the thoughts and ideas thrown at us in this day and age. And, you know, as we think about things, we then tend to act on them, don't we, right? And so it's so important that we are filling our head with God's thoughts when it comes to purity and impurity. And listen, sin is sin, right? You know, thinking about the wrong thing, whether it's anger or lust, man, it's not like one is a worse sin than the other. But I think what we know is true is just in life's experience that, man, when we wrestle with lustful thoughts and we get ourselves into trouble sexually, there's just a different layer of, of hurt that comes with it, a different layer of kind of long-term effect and, and brokenness and, and pain that we often find ourselves in. And so today I want us to really see that as we sometimes wrestle with sin, often the sin that we wrestle with is against God or it's against somebody else. But Paul tells us in the scripture that when we do something sexually, we don't just sin against God and somebody else. We actually sin against our own body. And some of us in the room are going, like kind of nodding along, maybe watching online going, oh yeah, I, I kind of know that's true. I didn't know theologically that even was in, was in the Bible, but I've experienced that. And I think we could probably, most of us would agree that Man, the, the times in our lives that we've given in in this area, if we've done something stupid in this area, we've gone to a place we knew we shouldn't go in this area, there's just a different level of hurt and pain that comes out of it. We, we, we say this pretty often around here, that sex is a beautiful gift that God has given, that when we misuse it, it messes up pretty much everything, at least for a season, doesn't it? And so, man, today, as I'm talking about this, please don't feel like I'm coming at you. First of all, I need to hear this. We are all humans, and we, we all have the same stuff thrown at all of us. And also, know today that I'm coming for your and my freedom, right? I want something for us, not something from us. I want something for us that we would walk in freedom and not just walk out of church today feeling like, oh, man, I, I'm really messing up this area. Man, I've made such a mess in my life. And I want you to know that if you've struggled in this area, even as recently as one second ago, then, man, God is an amazing God of grace. He loves you so much. Today is not a message of condemnation. It's a message of how do we get free in this area? How do we think thoughts that are going to lead us to good places that don't lead us to pain and brokenness in these areas? And so I want to just remind you, a few weeks ago I had said that, you know, there's like this whole industry that's throwing stuff at us in this area. Uh, NBC News reported that globally porn is a $97 billion industry. And they really don't care what happens in our lives. They just want to get paid at the end of the day, right? You know, back in the day when I was a kid, many of you, when we were kids, there was, it was really hard to get your hands on impure things. It was really hard. Like, you had to go to an adult bookstore. You had to find one of those, those uh, bookstores that had a little area in the back. There's usually a curtain. You remember the curtain? That would separate the front and the back, and you'd have to go back behind the curtain, and then you could find all the shady stuff back there. Or you'd be at home, and maybe, or a, fr a friend's house, and maybe they had, like, that channel. Their, their parents had that channel, or something happened to come on the TV. Like, it was really kind of difficult as a kid, to find that kind of stuff. And now, everything is right here. It's all $97 billion industry coming at you and me right here. And I think about, man, what incredible difficulty people are walking in today. What are our kids? I think about my kids, man, and the world that they're living in. I think about just the access, and, and man, it's just thrown at us. And guys, these people are smart. They're not dumb. They know how to market it. I don't know about you, I've been on the Bible study tools website, studying for a sermon and inappropriate stuff will come up on the side. 
Like on the Bible study, like they know how to find it. There's, they say that there's stuff even for kids. Like they'll be watching something that seems innocent on YouTube or something. And next thing you know, you know, stuff, stuff's coming at them. Because all they care about at the end of the day, are we going to get paid? They don't care about the ramifications. They don't care about the broken roads that leads us to. I want to just let you know, this isn't just stuff that's coming from a Christian perspective. Certainly it is a Christian perspective as I preach here today, but neurosciencenews.com, which is not a Christian website or has anything to do with God or church, says this, pornography seems to create sexual dysfunctions with a real-life partner. Marital quality and commitment to one's romantic partner also appear to be compromised. So even like in the, in the secular world, they're recognizing that this stuff leads to real brokenness. Some scientists have drawn parallels between porn consumption and substance abuse. There's this, this addictive nature. It says this, the brain is wired. This is really important. The brain is wired to respond to sex, sexual stimulation with surges of dopamine. This neurotransmitter, most often associated with reward anticipation, also acts to program memories and information into the brain. So hold on one second here. What this is saying is, is just like you and I know to go back to the snack cabinet to get some food when we're hungry, our brain tells us we know right where that cabinet is. We know right where to go. In the same way, that's what happens with the dopamine in our head. It, it tells us, oh, this is where you should go to feel pleasure again. Okay, And so it says this. Um, this adaptation means that when the body requires something like food or sex, the brain remembers where to return to experience the same pleasure. Instead of turning to a romantic partner for sexual gratification or fulfillment, habituated porn users instinctively reach for their phones and laptops when desire comes calling. And this is the world we're living in right now. Like this is what our kids are growing up having to deal with. Some of you kids here in the room know exactly what I'm talking about. There's shame associated with it, isn't there? There's pain. There's, there's a lot we maybe cover up or just feel gross about. We don't know how to handle it. But there's this drawback, this drawback. Literally, our brains are wired right now because of the world we're growing up in and all that's thrown at us just to keep on running back to that place. goes on. Studies show that changes in the transmission of dopamine can facilitate depression and anxiety. I think a lot of us would say, oh, yeah, I get that. It says, in agreement with this observation, porn consumers report greater depressive symptoms, lower quality of life, and poorer mental health compared to those who don't watch porn. This last paragraph is so powerful. I would guess a lot of us would, associate, would, would, would really relate to this last paragraph. The other compelling find in this study is that compulsive porn consumers find themselves wanting and needing more porn even though they don't necessarily like it. This disconnect between wanting and liking is a hallmark feature of reward circuitry dysregulation. While porn promises to satisfy and provide sexual gratification, it delivers the opposite. Man, you see why Paul says that when we sin sexually, we sin against our own bodies. Do you see what like a big issue is? The thoughts in our head filled with all these images and all these things and all these experiences that maybe we've walked through, wrestled with, gone to, like the places it leads to are broken. There's a world-famous musician. I'm not going to say his name, but you'd all know who it is if I said his name. Um, he has dated the world's most beautiful women and has said publicly that he prefers to just be at home by himself with his laptop. Like, do you see that, that brokenness? Like, he can't enjoy the real because of the fake, you know? That's like you and I saying, I'm not going to eat food anymore. I'm just going to Google hamburgers, you know? Like, I'm just going to, right? Like, that's where, thank you for laughing. I thought that was a really funny joke, so 
I was like, man, this is going to be either a total great, right in the middle of this like awkward dad talk thing, a funny moment, or like no one's going to laugh and I'm going to chastise them because I think that was a funny joke. But these lustful thoughts and impure places that we end up have cost us too much, I would say, right? Like, I think we just got to get to the point where it's like, okay, enough is enough with these thoughts in my head. And again, uh, we're, we're living in a world where it feels impossible to overcome this. It feels impossible because we're so inundated with it everywhere we look. But man, I just want to remind you about who our God is. I want to remind you the impossible things he can do. I want to remind you that what he says is good and the places he leads us are good and he has good for us. Some of you guys are thinking it's just too hard, it's just too difficult. But man, there's a God who's going to show us today, who's literally going to give us some steps to take so that we can know what to do. There's a way out. The thoughts in our head that are fluid can be you know, stopped and overrun with truth, and the mindsets that have been in our mind for a long time can be broken up. After the first message in this series, my buddy Gene uh, texted me this picture. He's this, this picture, he, and then he said this. He said, imagine how much of God's word we would need to overrun or break up the, the, you know, all this concrete, right? And, and so here's, I love that picture because the truth is I think that this concrete is a pretty good representation of most of the struggles in our lives. It's about this big. But I think for many people, that is the struggle of porn and impurity. It's that big. It's that crazy because there's a $97 billion industry trying to get us caught in that, you know? There's not a $97 billion industry trying to get you caught in pride, jealousy, and depression. But man, they're coming for you when it comes to the thoughts in our head. But God is bigger. The truths of God's word are greater. And we're going to see today some motivations. Again, I just want to remind you, maybe this isn't your struggle. You came to church today. You just needed some encouragement, man. This is honestly even really what you need. Apply the same truth to the sadness in your heart. Overrun it with the truth of God's word. Remind yourself of his faithfulness. Take the truth of God's word. I, Doug, I'm just struggling with anger towards somebody today. All right, same concept. So whether this is your struggle or not, I pray today you'll apply the concept and be encouraged. If you're not a follower of Jesus, can I tell you some great news? God wants you to be free. Jesus died to save us and rescue us, to cover our shame, to remove actually our shame and our guilt. But he really wants you and I to be free as well. And you know what? Here and now in this broken world, we stumble and we fall, but he is perfect. His love is great. And like I said earlier, if you're here today and this is like a huge struggle for you and you're feeling condemned and you're like, I knew I shouldn't have come today, man, I just want to tell you, it's great you're here today because God loves you so much. He's got so much better for you and I than to stay stuck in this stuff. So we're going to see the way out today. We're going to see how we can walk in some victory today. And so we're going to find three things here today, okay? We're going to find intense motivation. Everybody say intense motivation. All right, then we're going to find strategy. Everybody say strategy. And then we're going to find encouraging motivation. Everybody say encouraging motivation. All right, awesome. So let's start with the intense motivation. Warning, this is intense motivation, okay? And I am going to encourage you not to run and grab a muffin and your child from the children's ministry and leave uh, when I'm halfway through this passage, okay? Wait for me to explain it. It's misunderstood, but it's powerful and it's important, okay? Mark 9, verse 43. If your hand, Jesus says this, super intense. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. You're like, I'm getting my muffin and my kid and I'm out, okay? It is better for you to enter life maimed then with two hands to go into hell where the fire never goes out. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled 
than to have two feet and be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell. Now, this is a challenging passage. You're like, Doug, why'd you choose to speak this? I don't know. That was probably dumb. I mean, no, it's because it's such an intensely important motivation, okay? What's he saying here? Well, we've got hands, feet, and eyes. Everybody say hands, feet, and eyes. And sometimes our hands cause us to sin against God, others, and ourselves. Sometimes our feet cause us to sin against God, others, and ourselves. Sometimes our eyes cause us to sin against God, others, and ourselves. And it sounds like Jesus is saying we're supposed to remove the part of the body that's doing the sinning. Okay? Listen, he's not literally saying that. What's he trying to say? He's trying to say, cut out of your life whatever is keeping you from the life that Jesus offers. Cut out. Maybe it's a person, it's a relationship, it's a habit, it's a device, it's a place you go. Cut out whatever is in your life that is keeping you from the life that Jesus has for you. Tom Constable says this, that Jesus did not mean to amputate a part of the body literally should be obvious. If my hand offended me one day and I cut it off, and the next day my foot offended me and I cut it off, and the next day my eye offended me and I cut it off, it would not be long before my whole body would be gone, right? So Jesus clearly is not saying literally do that. But this is important. He's saying don't play around. I love this take on it. D. Edmund Hybert says, As a surgeon does not hesitate to cut off a gangrenous hand to save a life, so evil and destructive practices though precious to us as a very part of our lives, must be sacrificed to save the soul. So there's this like intensity of, I'm not going to let this happen anymore, right? It's like this gangrene thing has gotten its way into my head and my heart, and I got to cut that thing out. Not literally, but I'm going to cut out that relationship, that place, that habit, that device. Like whatever it takes. I might be the only person in 2022 that doesn't have a phone and a computer, but if that's what it takes... I might have to completely cut off that whole friend group, but if that's what it takes, because i got to know Jesus. He's better than it all. I've got to walk with Jesus. I've got to be near Jesus. Now listen, we have to be really careful with this concept, okay? Because there's a couple of things that can happen if we're not careful with what Jesus says here. I think one of the things that could happen is we could start to, rem- or start to forget that we're saved by grace and not by works, Okay? If you're not a follower of Jesus, amazing news for you today. You are not saved by what you do. You're saved by what Jesus did. That's it. That is all of it. Okay? But here, Jesus is reminding us that because he saved us, now we live for him. Now we honor him. And remember, he wants freedom for you and I. And so he looks at you and I, and you know, maybe we're wrestling around with looking at stuff we shouldn't look at or doing stuff we shouldn't do, going places we shouldn't go. And he's like, I've, I love you and I have better for you and I want you to live in the fullness of what I have for you. So let's cut that thing out. So you're not saving yourself. Please know that. You are saved by what Jesus did. And now it's time to honor him with what he's done for us. Now, all right, Lord, I love you and that's gonna motivate me, right? My love for you is gonna motivate me. The grace you show me is going to motivate me. Your desire for my freedom is going to motivate me. You are saved if you put your trust in him, and now you get to respond in this awesome way. The other thing I think we can misunderstand is we can go, well, I'm never going to be able to go through life without ever having a lustful thought again. Like, like that's just impossible for me. There's, there's no way I'm going to live the next whatever it is for you, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years without ever having a lustful thought. So if I have a lustful thought, does that mean that I can't go be with Jesus when I die? That's not what Jesus is saying either. 
What Jesus is saying is his followers won't be okay with it. Not that you'll never have a lustful thought ever in your life again. We have a great Savior who forgives all of our sin. But this means we're not just going to go click on the computer, look at a whole bunch of stuff, click off, go, cool, all right, God, let me go spend some time with you now. I know you're cool with what I just looked at and did, right? Are you seeing the difference? And so we have to make sure that we're understanding this correctly. We are saved by grace, not our works. But because I'm saved, I'm not going to be okay with this stuff. It leads to broken places. It leads to a problem with the most intimate relationships in our lives. We have to be so incredibly careful. Okay, so that was some intense motivation. Okay, everybody take a little bit of a deep breath. That was the worst part, okay? Now we're going to get to some strategy. How do I do this? How do I stop those fluid thoughts from running through my head? How do I break up old mindsets, a flatbed that is delivered to you and I every single day of concrete? How do we break that thing up? Well, Psalm 119 says this. I love this. How can a young man keep his way pure? What is our question, isn't it? And I just want to let you know, it's not just for young men. It's also for young women. It's not just for young men and young women. It's for old men and old women, too. There was a guy who came to the college that I went to back in the day, and he spoke uh, several messages on purity. And he told this story. He said he was at a, a church, and he was giving some of his messages on purity. And at the end, he said, if anybody wants to come up for prayer, you can come up for prayer, and I'd love to pray for you. And so different people came up for prayer. And he said, then there was this one guy who was literally 87 years old that came up for prayer. And the speaker thought to himself, oh, no, <laughs> it's still going to be a struggle, isn't it? Even as an old man, it can still be a struggle. There's still temptation. And so this is not just about a young man or a young woman or an old man. or old, It's everybody, all of us in together. He says, how can a, a person, let's put that word in there, how can a person keep their way pure? Look at what it says next, by guarding it according to your word. What's going to change me? If we're struggling in this way or any way, what's going to change us? He says, I'm going to keep or guard my heart and my mind according to your word. In other words, I'm going to get your word in my head. I'm going to, God, I'm going to get your thoughts in my head. And as I get my thoughts in your head, it's going to overrun those fluid thoughts, and it's going to break up old mindsets. Listen, we're not going to do it perfectly. We're going to stumble. We're going to fall. But we're not going to be okay with it. And we have a, a great God who looks at us and picks us up and carries us and does amazing things. Verse 10, with my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. Great, but how do I do that? I've stored up. Everybody say stored up. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I've stored it up, God. It's in my head. It's traveled to whatever 10 inches down in my heart, right? I've stored your word up in my heart that I might not sin against you. What, what of God's word do you have stored up in your heart so that the next time you're Driving to work and there's a hundred million foot billboard on the way into the city of an inappropriate image there. You can speak out a verse and get your heart right and say, wait, God's got better for me. I got a spouse back home. I'm going to be faithful even by what I look at here on this billboard. I might not get caught one way or the other, but I know my Jesus and I know how good he is and I want to honor him with my life. Kids at school this week, man, somebody says, hey, did you see this yet? This is wild, man. You've never seen anything like this and take their phone out or whatever and start to show you and it's like, no, 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 I, I don't need that. I don't need that. And you turn around, man, you start quoting some scripture. 
Wow, because you're going to need God's grace. I'm not saying you quote it out your friend necessarily, but, but you're speaking it out, right? Because it's stored up in your heart. How can I keep my way pure? Well, it's going to be stored up in my heart that I might not sin against you. Verse 12, blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes with my lips. I declare all the rules of your mouth. It's speaking out the word of God that's so powerful. Verse 14, in the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I love that the Bible doesn't just tell us don't look at that or do that. It also tells us instead do this. So you can look at porn or you can fill your head with the word of God. You can speak it out. You can meditate on it. You can think about it. You can talk about it with a friend. You can share your struggle with a friend. You can share your struggle with me. You can share your struggle with a one-on-one mentor or somebody in your community group or a youth leader or one of our different staff members. You can talk about it and get it out into the light, and you can talk about the Word of God, and you can meditate on it and get Go deep into your heart. And man, again, watch what God does. I, I, I'm so tired of you know, kids growing up in church, leaving and thinking that the church's view on sex is that it's gross and bad. No, man, what a beautiful gift God's given us. But man, when we misuse it, it leads to so much pain, doesn't it? Verse 16, I will delight in your statues. I will not forget your word. Well, I won't forget your word, Jesus, because I know that that's what's going to change me. That's the thing that's going to transform you. Maybe some of you just need to take some of the verses we're talking about today and get a few of them in your heart. Get a few of them in your mind. Again, you can very easily find tons and tons of verses on purity. I would be happy to help you find some even if you're looking for some. There's some beautiful verses, even prayers in the scripture about, oh God, may I be satisfied in the wife of my youth, right? God, let me have a faithful heart. There are Proverbs. It talks about taking hot coals, just like you, you think you could pick up a hot coal and not be burned by it. That's like somebody running into a sexual environment and thinking it's not going to somehow burn us in the end, right? So like there are so many wise things in the scripture that we can speak out and meditate on and have stored up in our heart. And so we've seen some intense motivation. Jesus says, cut out whatever is going to rob the life that I offer you. You're not saved by your works, but man, don't let anything get in the way of our relationship. We've seen some strategy. Okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get the word of God in your heart. I want you to speak it out. I want you to meditate on it. Hey, neuroscience tells us what we think about sets in. And so if I'm thinking about the word of God, guess what's going to set in instead of all the other thoughts that want to set in? It's going to be his truths. All right, now let's get some encouraging motivation. Everybody say encouraging motivation. All right, cool. Look what it says in 1 Corinthians 6, 18. This is Paul. He says, flee from sexual immorality. Run Don't mess with it. Don't play with it. Don't pretend it's your friend. Run from it. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. That's the verse I was bringing up earlier. But look at this. Here's some motivation. Do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, who you have received from God? Okay, encouraging motivation. You are the house of the Holy Spirit. God's presence is, lives in you. You house the very presence of God everywhere you go, driving in the city on the way to work and the big billboard comes up. You're still the house of the Spirit. Going home late at night, your parents are in bed and you have full run of the house. You got your phone, your TV, your devices, Netflix, Prime, Disney Plus, Hulu, how many other more apps they have to come up with, right? Like you can just watch whatever you want to watch, but you are still the house of the Holy Spirit in that moment. And in that moment, you have a choice. How am I going to house 
God's presence, God's very presence in me. I might get away with it. My parents may never know. My spouse may never know. My boyfriend, girlfriend may never know. But man, I could get away with this right now. But wait, I'm the house of the Holy Spirit. He is in me right now. I want you to think about one of your favorite celebrities, uh, an athlete, a musician, an artist, an author. Just somebody yell out one of your favorite of those people. Who you got? You guys need a life. Okay, cool. What do you got for me? Come on. Kobe Bryant. All right. Very good. What else? Denzel Washington. All right. Cool. Somebody else. Come on. My man. A Mets fan. A Mets fan. All right. Let's get this man the seat of honor, please. All right. So listen, your favorite artist, athlete, musician, right? You get a call from their agent. My man gets a call from Jacob DeGrom's agent. Hey, Jake's somehow out of a place to stay tonight. Could he stay with you, right? And so now, okay, I want you to just imagine again, your favorite artist or musician or athlete or movie star is coming to stay in your house. How will you house them? Will their presence not motivate you and I to house them in a certain way, right? The night before they came, we're sitting on the couch. We take a sock off, throw it one way, another sock, throw it another way. We're sitting there eating. There's chips all over our shirt. We got the dust buster, right? We're just cleaning up a little bit, like, right? But the night that Jacob DeGrom is housed in my house is going to be a very big motivation for me on how I act, how my family acts, the way that we conduct ourselves, the way that everything is put together. Guys, everywhere we go, and don't let this be something that scares you. Let it be something that's amazing, that motivates you. Everywhere we go, everything we do, everything we look at, everything that we say, right, we're housing the very presence of God. What an amazing guest. What an amazing honor. But listen, here's what sets the Holy Spirit apart in our lives. You're not just to be motivated by the fact that you have, oh, wow, I got the Holy Spirit in me. Listen, the Holy Spirit wants to help you walk in purity. So yes, you're housing him, and that should be incredible motivation, but he also is there to do the heavy lifting, as I say all the time. So listen, Jacob DeGrom, as much as I love him, as talented as he is, he's not going to be in my house like vacuuming, like helping me keep the house clean, right? He's not going to sit me and my kids down. Doug, all right, if you could just see it from Cade's viewpoint here, like it'd really help your relationship here. Like Jacob DeGrom, like wow, he's a great pitcher and a Apparently better than Dr. Phil, too. Like, this is, like that's not going to happen, right? Like, that guest is going to motivate me because they're in the house, and I wanted the house to be really nice for them. But they're not going to help me keep the house clean. They're not going to make the difference in my life. That's the Holy Spirit. Oh, he should be motivating us because his very presence is in us, but also he's going to, if we cooperate with him as you're struggling, oh, God, I'm doing research for a paper, and just the most filthy thing comes up on the screen. And there's a temptation, God, to click it. Holy Spirit, help me fill my mind with your truths. I'm at school, and that friend comes up with the phone. And, man, not only do I, you know, am I tempted to look at the image, I don't want to look stupid in front of my friends either. Holy Spirit, you're in me. I'm housing you. But you're also in me to empower me to look my friend back in the eyes and say, I'm good. I don't need to see that. See, what a beautiful gift it is that the Holy Spirit's in our life, both to motivate us and to encourage us, but also to do the heavy lifting in our lives. It goes on. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. You're not your own. 
And again, don't let that be something like, oh, I'm not my own. Like, I'm, 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 what does that mean? And I'm, I'm, I'm freaking out now that I don't have control. Oh, you don't want control. Like, we, uh, God, thank you, God, that I don't have control of my life. Thank you that you have control of my life. But I'm not my own. I was bought at a price. What was that price? It was Jesus' death on a cross. It was him being brutally tortured and murdered and spit upon and made fun of, the very son of God in my place. And so now... If I'm going to sit there and look at this, that, or the other, and then those thoughts are going to turn into action, I'm going to go do this, that, or the other. Wait a minute, I was bought at a price and God's very presence is in my life. And man, neuroscience told us that that stuff just breaks us anyway. It turns us into people who do the opposite of what we really want to do, even from a neuroscience perspective. Wow. What a difference God makes isn't it amazing that neuroscience tells us that this stuff leads to brokenness just like God's word does as well? Isn't it amazing that God's word tells us there's a better way? And again, I'd say thank God for neuroscience. Thank God it shows us the problem, but it doesn't give us the answer. God says fill my head with your thoughts, or fill, fill your head with my thoughts. Fill your head with my thoughts. Fill your heart with my thoughts. Meditate on my thoughts. Meditate on my word. Meditate on my way. Meditate on my goodness. Remind yourself that I'm better. And so this week, as the temptations come, as that same billboard's probably going to be there tomorrow, on the way to the city, that same friend might come up with a new crazy video on his phone. You might be studying on BibleStudyTools.com, and something shady comes up on the side. It's the world we live in, and there's $97 billion a year being poured into delivering that flatbed of concrete to you and I every single day. But the Holy Spirit's in you. The word of God is powerful. The thoughts can be taken captive. The concrete can be broken up. It's going to lead you to greater intimacy. It's going to lead you to greater freedom. It's going to lead you to greater joy. It's going to destroy the guilt and the shame that consume. It's going to lead us to being the parents that sometimes we want to be when we feel like, oh, man, how am I going to tell my kid not to when I'm, right? Like, what a powerful thing. We just say, oh, God, fill my head with your thoughts. And listen, when we fall, when we stumble, when we don't tell the friend, I don't want to see that, when we do look at the billboard on the way to work, when we do get drawn in and caught up and our feet do go, man, we have a great God who loves us and who looks us in the eyes and says, I I have so much better for you. Yes, I forgive you, but come on, man, I've got so much better for next time. I offer you life. Cut out, cut out, cut out. Whatever is going to get in between you and me. And remember, I'm in you. My Holy Spirit, my very presence is in you to do the heavy lifting. And remember, I bought you at a price. So take my word, meditate, speak it, remember it, and watch what God will do. Listen, if you need help, we're here. There's no, I've heard, I really truly believe, I've heard everything at this point doing ministry for a long time, if you come to me and say, hey, here's what I've been doing. If you came to one of our community group leaders or one of our pastors or I don't think one person, actually, I don't, let me take out the I don't think. I know not one person will look back at you and go, wow, what's with you? Like, no, we are walking with you through the ups and downs. Man, you want to talk about impurity, you can look at my high school and college years, man. No better than anybody else. You need the grace of Jesus, just like you. There's a great God who loves you and wants to walk with you. So 
Will you cut out whatever it is? Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a habit. Maybe it's a device. Maybe it's getting a filter on a device. Maybe it's getting accountability for it. Will you use the word of God? Will you get it in your heart? Will you store up in his word in your heart that you might not sin against him? And will you be motivated that you house the presence of God who wants to do the heavy lifting? And if you're here today going, Doug, this isn't my struggle. Man, I pray it's helped somebody you know. I pray it's helped somebody in your family or a friend or someone you can be praying for. But take the same strategy and apply it to your struggle. Fill your head with God's thoughts. If you're not a follower of Jesus, did you hear today the good news? The good news is not be a good person. It's not be pure. The good news is somebody died in your place. Somebody did what you can't do. Somebody rescued you and loves you. And it doesn't matter where you find yourself today. Jesus is madly in love with you and wants a relationship with you. If you want to put your trust in him today, you can pray with me now. Let's pray together. God, thank you for this series. Thank you for the reminder that we've got to fill our head with your thoughts, God. Jesus, your word is powerful. Jesus, your spirit is in us. The very same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is living in us. Oh, God, help us. If you're a follower of Jesus, would you pray for a minute about some of the stuff we talked about today? If, if the struggle that I talked about today isn't your struggle, maybe it's time to pray for your spouse or your teen or somebody that you know. Maybe you do or don't know that they have this struggle, but just pray for them anyway. Or maybe it's your struggle. Maybe today's the day to, to bring that to God. Maybe today's the day to bring it to the light. You know, struggles lose their power when they're brought into the light. Maybe today's the day to pull somebody aside and say, hey, here's what's been going on in my heart. I just need to get this out in the open. And... I need accountability, I need prayer, I need encouragement. And that's what you're going to find here. Not judgment, not condemnation, but love and, and prayer and support. But if you're a follower of Jesus, maybe just saying, Jesus, here's what I've been doing. Oh, God, forgive me. Thank you that I have your word in my life. Thank you that your Holy Spirit is in me. But Jesus, do that heavy lifting in my life. Do what I can't do. And lead me to the life that you have for me, God. Maybe some of you have a hard decision to make. I just want to encourage you. I think it's worth it. It's worth it. But man, I'm going to lose that relationship. Man, but it's life in Jesus. It's closeness with him. We've got to cut out anything that's in that way. Pray about that. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you want to put your trust in him, you want to look to him for the life that he offers, then pray with me now. You could say this quietly, Jesus. I'm asking you today to be my savior. Thank you for the amazing love that you have for me. Thank you for the forgiveness that I get to receive today. It's a forgiveness I don't deserve or forgiveness I could never earn, but I thank you that you offer it freely. So be my savior, and I thank you for this great gift. In your name, amen.